Hi, I'm Mags Wiley and I'm reporting from the RSS annual conference, which this year comes from Belfast. I'm with Rachel Hogg, who is a statistician at the NHS Blood and Transplant, um, who is delivering a talk on, so you've been added to the lung transplant list, now what? An analysis of patient outcomes from listing for a lung transplant. So hi, Rachel. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the work you do at NHS Blood and Transplant? Yeah, so, um, as I said, I'm a statistician at NHS Blood and Transplant. We're based down in Bristol. The work we do at NHS BT, so we're a specialist health authority. Um, so we cover across the whole UK anything to do with blood transfusion or organ transplants and stem cells. So my department mostly works within organ transplantation. So we'll do research projects that tend to be clin clinically led. So, for example, looking at whether a certain thing will affect the patient's outcomes. And we also do regular reporting. So just today we've published our annual activity report on BME, BME outcomes. Um, but we also look at monitoring outcomes. So we ensure that hospitals are performing transplants safely, that patients aren't being compromised in anything. Um, and can you tell us a bit about your talk that you're uh, delivering this afternoon? Yeah, so my talk is a work that I've been involved in for the past few years, and it's looking at patient outcomes from when they've been listed for a lung transplant. So currently, the lung transplant list has the highest waiting list mortality, so 20% of patients will die without transplant within three years of listing, and 60% and will have had a transplant. So we do really look at why are these, what's what's driving these two outcomes and how can we better patient care? And then I go on to look at how, we've, since we finished that project, how it's evolved into now we are working with the Winton Centre for Risk and Evidence Communication to develop a tool that patients can use with their clinicians to really understand what may happen to them. Um, and is that what you were thinking in terms of like the objectives for the analysis? So whenever we started the project, it was literally just to look at what influences a patient's chance of death on the list or transplant. But we we're also looking at, really in particular, was the variation across the, because there's five centres where it's available, is the variation in how these five centres treat different diseases. Um, and when we finished the work and we published it, and then we were approached by the Winton Centre, so this is a really great work, but we want to expand it and help really give it a bigger impact to patients. Um, and what methods did you use uh, with the project? Mm. So we mostly used to so build the models initially to see what affected the two outcomes. We used Cox regression models, and because that's quite good to give an understanding. Um, and we also used competing risks. So we used unadjusted competing risks to give an idea of just what happens to our cohort. But then we also advanced to the, whenever doing the tool, working on the tool for the Winton Centre, um, with using the fine and grey model to be able to give better accurate um, predictions for patients as because they're competing risks. Because so if you've had a transplant, you can no longer die on the list or be removed from the list, for example. But in the Cox methodology, we found that it was not letting the account for this properly, so. Um, so yeah, what, what did you learn? So, in, whenever you've got competing risks, um, you, if you just want an idea of what influences an outcome, then Cox models are fine to use as long as you're just using them to get 
like a hazard ratio to say this is the how much they will influence. But if you're looking at getting being able to predict from these, the Cox model is not robust enough, and you need to look at the, for example, the fine and gray model because this allows you to account for the fact that other risks happening. And so it should really be used in scenarios. So in competing with, especially when ever there's such a high prevalence of other events, you should really look at using the fine and gray model rather than Cox for prediction. Um, and what are the next steps? So we're currently now working on the tool. So we've got the output from it and we're just finalizing it. And we're also going to be including into it um, overall survival from when they've been listed and also looking at post-transplant survival. And so the Winton Centre really taking the lead on this. And whenever it's, so I said, there's five centres and whenever they roll it out, they're going to do it as this clusterized step wedge trial to really see how impactful this tool actually is. And what the plan is then is once we've got it rolled out for lungs, to then try it for other, all the other organs to just really help improve patient awareness. Um, and how might this all be applied? So um, patients have very different, very different on the lung transplant list. So they could have a really complex disease or a relatively simple disease, but they, it's just end stage. And you can't give national averages to these two patients. They are so different. So one is probably a lot more likely to die on the list than the other. And we currently only provide national waiting, waiting times, for example. So by having this tool and that all this work's led to, patients can better understand, well, okay, the national waiting time may be a year and a half, but patients, like 100 patients like me, they, I'd have to wait, wait it about three years, actually. So I should scale my expectations better and then allows clinicians, it gives them, I feel it makes them more comfortable to talk about these things with patients. They're like, actually, you're probably not getting transplanted soon or so that they can then manage their lives as well. Um, and is there anything you want to flag to our listeners? So this week's currently Organ Donation Week, so it's about raising awareness across so there's being on the news, for example, like update. And it's just really the theme of it is just to talk to your family. As statistics show in our annual reports that yes, when someone's on the organ donor register, so what you'd sign up to when if you've got your driving license, for example, and you tick that box, um, that's great. But if you haven't talked to your family or your friends, then that can be a real barrier. So that because that puts may put your family in an uncomfortable position where they're like, well, you signed up, but they just tick the box and so this is to really encourage people to talk about it as and then hopefully for example we can reduce this long waiting list mortality into more in line with the other organs okay great really good speaking to you rachel thanks very much